You are listening to the Horse Radio Network, part of the Equine Network family. What a beautiful day for horses in the morning. You are listening to the number one horse podcast in the world. Here's your entertaining look at the horse world and the people in it. Well, good morning, everybody. Happy Wet Wednesday. We're going to rename Wednesday Wet Wednesday because <laughs> the entire country's wet. I am Glenda Geek from Ocala, Florida. And I'm Jamie Jennings in Norman, Oklahoma. You're listening to Horses in the Morning on the Horse Radio Network for July 12th, episode 3223, brought to you today by Kevin Equine. Good morning, Horse World. Ah, Wednesday, the day we cover Glenn's favorite topic. <laughs> Horse health. And Jamie makes you feel better about yourself with the latest weird news from around the world. Happy Wednesday. That's right. It is Wednesday. Thank you so much for joining us today. We have a couple of guests lined up for you today. Caitlin Hendry is going to explain equine performance identities. And Dr. Siemens is back. And we're never sure what Dr. Siemens is going to talk about. No clue. No clue. No clue. It's... (laughs) on him. It could be interesting. Weird news. We have some study show. We have a whole lot planned for you today. But first, we wanted to give our thoughts and prayers out to all of our listeners. I didn't realize we had that many in Vermont. Uh, But in the Northeast, you've had a lot of rain too. But in the Northeast, the whole towns are floating away. So we wanted to give our best to you. I know Erin posted that uh, she's doing great and her animals are fine. But uh, her next town over was Ludlow, Vermont, who You've probably seen on the news. And she said many of her favorite places are underwater. She said the paved road to get there from here is gone. She said uh, also Green Mountain Horse Association, GMHA, which is where all the major events happen up there, uh, endurance and eventing and all of that. Uh, they They were underwater, apparently lost some fencing and other stuff, had to cancel shows. And then Katie said the main highway to her town is completely fractured on one end, and the other end of the town, there's a mudslide. Uh, she said we could take another highway going through some back roads, but that highway section is underwater. Uh, so she said they had a bit of damage to their farm, pastures and fences, and they had to move their horses and equipment to higher ground. The, the videos out of Vermont are just crazy. Yeah, it's it's crazy. I mean, <clears throat> excuse me. Sorry, my Mexican cold has now stuck in my face. <laughs> um, <laughs> but the amount of rain that we've had here, road closures, one like huge bridge collapse, like the the at the end of it where you start to drive the 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 uh, dirt part washed away and just took took the bridge with it. I mean, oh, it's crazy. Like we've had, I think 15 inches of rain in like the last two weeks. And what's crazy is that it's July and this is usually the drought month. Well, when we so, visited you last year, it was drought. Yeah. yeah. Every, everything is so green and beautiful, but yeah. And then they're like, it's going to rain again tonight. And I'm like, uh, <laughs> not again. Like I had some horses come in. I'm like, usually what I would do is I would put them in the round pen, but I can't because my round pen is soup. It's just soup. Oh, yeah. You don't have mud there either, do you? No. no. There's, it's that red <laughs> sticky mud, man. It's, it's that clay it's stuff. <laughs> yeah. And uh, also, the other thing that happens is it seems like I'm mowing the lawn every 10 minutes. It's just yes, growing Yes, exactly. Like Chad came home for one day. He was like, what do you need me to do? I'm like, mow <laughs> something. The, the grass is just getting high incredibly quickly. You know what? I'm doing – I'm trying to be a big girl, Glenn. And so – I am afraid, and this is going to sound weird. I'm afraid to drive the tractor. I'm I'm terrified of driving tractors. It's like a thing. I feel like it's going to tip over. I don't know. I just I don't just, know if we can consider you a horse girl. I don't like driving tractors, but we have the zero turn mower thing, and I got to get on it and mow, and I love doing that. It's really fun. I like it driving is fun. it. Zero turns I'm are a- fun. <laughs> I'm afraid to turn it on. I don't know how. I if, like what button? And what if I start mowing when I'm not meaning to, and then somebody gets? I don't know. It's scary. All equipment is scary. I just feel like I'm gonna lose a finger or a toe, or somebody's gonna get hurt. I'm you need to tranquilize you before you get on the zero turn. Well, I asked Chad. I'm like, could you like give me a step by step? Turn this button, then you move these out, and then you push this. I, I was like, I need a step by step instructions for how to start this thing, and then I'll be able to mow when you're gone. Not, nothing yet. It didn't happen. <laughs> no, he's taught me twice. He's like, you do this, this. I'm like, that's not, I, I, I need to read it. I don't know. 
I just, that's how I need it. <laughs> that's funny. I do like uh, zero turns though, because they're so fast. <laughs> yeah, it's really fun. <laughs> it is fun. It's kind of, it's a lot more fun than the old lawnmowers, the old riding mowers used to be, that's for sure. Which seemed to take forever to mow oh anything. Oh my God, it's so slow. <laughs> All right, let's do some Daily Winnies. We have three auditor birthdays. Hazel Peterson, Aaron Helena? Helena. Helena. Helene? Could be either one. And then Danielle Bacher. And Danielle, I got to give a special shout out to Danielle because she's the one that's really helped me. She's a nurse uh, in the ICU in Pennsylvania. And she's been on my health journey, helping me all along the way. And she's very special to us. And we've we've camped with her and done some things with her and her family now. And uh, she's just a very special... You know, she was a listener and now has become a terrific friend and kind of my health coach. So, so thank you, Danielle. We really appreciate you. Well, you may hear some crashing noises in the background. I don't know if you can, but I wanted to give a daily Winnie. It's finally happening, Glenn. What's that? You remember that giant old terrible shed that was here. It's like a huge run-in shed and they kept cows in it before we moved here. And since we moved here, it's just kind of been sitting out there and the horses go in and out of it when they want, but it's a giant metal rust bucket run-in shed and it was destroyed in the tornado. Half the roof was ripped off and it's just been a mess. And every time we have weather, another piece falls down. Well, (laughs) I finally got the insurance for it and there are people out there destroying it as we oh, speak. Oh, they're going to cart it off? Oh, Are you I'm building so another one or don't you have to? I don't ha- I don't have a plan for that yet. <laughs> I need to. I need another giant running shed, but, you know, we got to stick within the insurance budget. But I'm pretty excited that things are – I just need this thing gone. It's just awful. It was my least favorite thing on the entire property. And so now it is finally being destroyed. I can. I saw the guys take the first swipe with the backhoe, like, and they just crunch it. And then clean it up, and it's money well spent. When you have the right tools, things go so quickly. (laughs) Well, I was like, we should save some of these sheet metal that's on here. And no, it was nailed in. And Mm. so then there's holes all over it, and it was just a big mess. It was a big mess. I was like, no, just take it away. Just get it gone. Yeah, that's the kind of thing you save and never use. Yeah, well, yeah. there is a place I do need to like build a wall to block wind from going into my hay area. Like, I, I've got big plans. I have big <laughs> ideas, Glenn. It's just the follow through might not work. <laughs> it's always follow through and money. Those two things stop us from doing most things in life. Yeah, you yeah. know, big ideas are big ideas unless they're funded. They just remain ideas. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of which, uh, I did mention. Was it last week? Did I mention it on the regular show? I think I did. Uh, that uh, we're, we're purchasing a piece of land in an equestrian community outside of town. And uh, it looks like uh, it's been, what, a week and a half or a week since we signed the papers? And the title's already cleared, and it looks like we might be in closing the end of this week, beginning of next. It's amazing when you're buying land how quickly things go. When there's not a a mortgage for a house, things go very quickly. When you don't need inspections and termite people and all of that, it just it's, and it's already zoned for a, a yeah, equestrian yeah, type whole, thing. The whole neighborhood is uh, little five-acre equestrian farms. Oh, uh, and it's mostly cool. drivers, so, so I'll have people to drive with. And then endurance riders, so people, Jennifer, I'll have people to ride with. So it's perfect. That's perfect. Yeah. And uh, now we'll see. We have we have to get it cleared. It's a very thick woods. You probably saw the video I posted in the auto room. It's yeah. very thick woods. So we really don't know what it looks like because <laughs> it's so thick. But You have to clear it out to see the land that yes, you bought. Yes. And it could be like have a huge sinkholes in it. I have no idea. We walked through part know. of it, but you... That was even difficult. So uh, so we'll find out. Uh, hopefully over the next couple of weeks, we can have the land clear guy out and we'll see what we will see what we bought. In the meantime, we're going to go to our first guest today. We have an old friend joining us, don't we? We sure do. Dr. Siemens is going to come on and uh, he is one of the busiest vets, not only because he is a vet, he's also an author and released his new book. It's not a new book. They redid his book, and now it's on audiobooks. And I think he's going to tell us a little bit about potentially 
it being optioned for television or movie. So I can't wait to talk to him. And and as far as like doing a vet segment, I don't know what he's going to talk about. Who knows? You, <laughs> you never, never know. know what Dr. Stevens, we've had been having him on. It has to be 10 years. Yeah. Uh, and then his book was, was, was just a book. And then all of a sudden it took off in the last year. He, they kind of redid it and he got, I think he got maybe a new publisher or whatever, but it took off like crazy. And now it's a bestseller and overseas too. It's not just here in the United States. So yeah, he's a great guy. We get a chance to congratulate him. He's the vet who, when I first moved here, this is how long he's been a part of our organization here at Horses in the Morning. When I first moved here, I didn't have a vet and I had an emergency on Christmas. And I called him <laughs> like, and he lives in Idaho then. Uh, so I think he's in New Mexico now. So he's had a lot of life changes too. And I did. And get he still to comes on. Him. I know <laughs> it's crazy. And I got to meet him at the movement a couple of years ago. He came down. So he's, he's been a big part of the, the horses in the morning family. So I'm glad to have him back. Right after this word from Kim and Equine. We've had no shortage of stress this past year, and a lot of our attention has been focused on maintaining our health and immunity. Stress and illness can actually form a vicious cycle in humans and also in horses. Elevated cortisol levels caused by stressors like extreme weather, disease, diet changes, travel, and trailering can throw your horse's health and immune function out of whack. But did you know you can help reduce the negative impacts of stress by feeding your horse chromium every day? By lowering the levels of the stress hormone cortisol and optimizing overall energy use, feeding chromium results in improved body upkeep, health and immunity, performance, and overall well-being. To ensure you're supporting your horse, don't feed just any chromium. Feed your horse the only FDA-reviewed source of chromium propanate on the market today, ChemTrace Chromium from Chemin Equine. Ask for it by name and stress less. Learn more about Chemtrace Chromium at Kemen.com slash Chromium EQ. That's Kemen, K-E-M-I-N dot com slash Chromium EQ. Well, welcome to the show, Dr. Siemens. Always lovely to have you stop by. Well, thank you so much. I just, I feel so tickled that uh, you, you have me on a second time. It's the reason I married my wife. She's the first girl that ever went out with me twice. I've heard about it. Snag this one. <laughs> <laughs> we think we've been having you on for about 10 years. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it only seems like ten years. It's like it's like some of those Shetland ponies I've known. Somebody says, "Do they live longer than horses?" I said, "No," nah, but it sure seems longer. Sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> well, we appreciate having you on your book. Never trust a sneaky pony and other things they didn't teach me in vet school. I remember we started promoting forever ago with the first edition, but tell us about the new edition. Oh, the new edition has just been so so great, and it was on. If uh, first off, I got I got to plug my agent Lisa Hagen. She's just been so good to me, and uh, and so it's it's actually was has been published by horseandriderbooks.com or Trafalgar Publications. It's the other one, Trafalgar. I don't know how to say it. I'm from Texas. I don't do English. And uh, and and uh, at, when it, it first came out in January, and I, I've illustrated this, I did the cover art, and I did several illustrations for chapter headings, and. When it first came out, it actually hit number one on Amazon for humor, believe it or not. I didn't try to make it funny. It just kind of, kind of worked out that way. Probably should have named it. You can't make this stuff up. You know how it goes. <sighs> and uh, so then I was able to Helena Harris at uh, Stalin Stable. Uh, I want to adopt that girl. She uh, she produced the audio book. I performed it uh, in, in my closet here with the laptop computer stacked up on a couple of sticks and hat boxes. <laughs> and, and so, she, well, that's all together fitting for the kind of person I am, you know. And so, uh, yeah, she produced she produced the whole thing, and so it's available on audio or anywhere you get questionable reading material. And uh, so, that's, if you want to put a put a voice with a, a a really quirky voice with a really quirky person, then that's that's the place to go. You know, I read this book, but I am going to rebuy it because I want to hear it in your voice. Like, I mean, I read it in your voice, <laughs> but it'd be nice to just hear you read it in your voice. Oh, so 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 you want, you're going to send me a bill for all the therapy you've had to subject yourself to after doing that? <laughs> <laughs> 
No, I'll just call you on Christmas with veterinary emergencies. You'll pay. Don't worry. There you go. There you go. There you go. Awesome. What are friends for? If, I, if you can't, if you can't quack on a horse long distance, how can you quack on a horse? You know what I mean? <laughs> well, the next thing I wanted to ask you about was, and Helene is the one who posted it because, um, we, you know, she's with the horse radio network as well. She posted that there's potentially a movie in the works. Oh, oh, yeah. Let me tell you, this is this has just been so great. I mean, this has just been kind of a dream come true. I never thought it would go this far. My my wife was the one that encouraged me. I've been writing stories about stuff I do for a long time, and and Annette was the first one, the one that actually encouraged me to try to get it published. And then we found Lisa Hagen. Praise God for her, because she knows everybody. And uh, and then so she got me dialed in with a with a, a screenplay writer in Hollywood, and uh. This this lady is, has been in Hollywood for a long time, and is is, is I, I can't give her name out just yet, but she has won some awards for her screenplays. And so and so we've we've got this up and running now. We signed a contract here a few months ago with her, and then I'm I'm co-writing it with her. And uh, it's it doesn't it doesn't follow the book exactly, but there's enough excerpts from the book just to kind of keep it light and humorous. And so it's a a very interesting take. We had we've had several fairly lengthy phone conversations with her, uh, just to kind of get a little bit of my history and my biography, and uh, so she's kind of weaving that into a story of her own. And and uh, it's been really fun to write. I've just really enjoyed this. It's a it's a totally different process than just writing, because the screenplay is is mostly visual visual with just a little dialogue in there. So if you have to think of this in pictures and so instead of describing how i put a, a foot poultice on an abscess foot you know there's pictures of how i put the poultice on the abscess foot which is a whole different way of thinking i mean the thing about it is what's great is that what happens when horse books become hollywood is they kind of use a lot of equine license and you'll see things like that bridle's not on right horses don't whinny at the full gallop you know and the, all yeah. these things that happen so it's so <laughs> exactly. great that you're staying involved in it because that oh. keeps the actual real horse thing going it's got it's it's got to have some authenticity and i'm i'm just like you and that and that and i was sitting we'll watch a western and if the tack is not period correct it just drives me nuts it's right. 1883 1883 movie is full of saddles that were built in the 1970s you know, yeah. I just have a real problem with that. <laughs> well, and you so mentioned it, and, 1883, the show 1893. I started thinking, I'm like, okay, who's going to play Dr. Siemens in this movie? <laughs> Obviously, it has to be Sam Elliott. And maybe a Tim McGraw in the younger days and then Sam Elliott in the current days. What do you think? Oh, that that would be great. We got it. But the, the thing is that this that this spans, you know, seven decades. And so there has to be kind of like three of me, you know what I mean? There has to be the very young, you know, stupid me, and there has to be the middle-aged stupid me, and then there has to be the old stupid me. And so I don't know where you're, I don't know where you're going to get three people with ignorance on that scale. Oh, they do that. But, they um, do that CGI now, so they'll use the same person. Oh, there you go. Young, middle, and old. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's true. Oh, I love it. But That's it's been awesome. it's just been so much fun, and then and my screenwriter and I have had have had a few discussions about maintaining things authentic, and and uh, she has me as a young man, you know, riding being a bronco buster, and uh, in fact, I'm just going over that this morning with her that you know we don't do that anymore, and we start colts for people, we don't break horses anymore, and so she's getting a she's getting the fast track on on how we handle horses in this day, and and. Uh, but the, but the process has just been really interesting. I've, I've really enjoyed it. I hope it, hope we do okay with it. And then the goal the goal is to turn it into to a, a television series. So that's that's kind of where we're headed. I hope. I you know this just is so BBC to me because all the vet shows uh, for, over the years that I've had to watch with Jennifer because she loves BBC yeah. vet shows. Uh, you know, it just yeah. seems so BBC only with a southern accent. Well, I don't have an accent. You do. No, no. That was that was that whole thing with all creatures great and small. Yep. James Herriot back in the seventies, you know, and and but again, I, I think that I think the authenticity strikes a chord a little bit there with me because you know all of his clients loved him and all of his patients lived. And uh, I went to that other veterinary college. And, and it doesn't not, happen that way. All. No, it, 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 it does sometimes. 
I got a, I, I do a, I do a fair amount of consulting online now, and uh, I got a response to a consult that I did here not too long ago from a gal that was a neighbor of somebody that I saw a horse for over 30 years ago. And this wasn't even her horse, but in her eyes, I missed the diagnosis and she's still mad at me. (laughs) 30 years later? 30 years later. (laughs) I mean, I don't know what to tell you, lady. I'm really sorry, but dang. Yeah, let it go. (laughs) It wasn't even your horse, you know, but she sees me on, she's me online and and all that. So now, you know, some, somebody, she, she can, Focus stick at i guess i don't know but i just i find it so interesting some some things never die you know yeah and you wow. know social media makes that easy to not die. yeah 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 it also you it did. also makes us very very brave you know if we're in the base if we're in our mama's basement looking at a computer screen it's pretty easy to be brave there you know yeah yeah if you used to want to make you know pick at somebody you'd have to write them a strongly worded letter and then put it in the mail <laughs> it would take time yeah. <laughs> or, or, show, or show up on their doorstep if they had any guts at all you know <laughs> well you you say you do a lot of online consultation you're a big part of the facebook page that i love and recommend wholeheartedly to everybody called horse vet corner and it's a place where you can go and you can ask veterinarians questions now this is a lot of these people live in parts of the world where they don't have veterinarians or regular veterinarians and and so you guys all the vets go on there and only vets are allowed to comment all the vets go on there and will diagnose or help or point in the right direction a lot of these people that are having issues and you just recently posted one about a foal that you were working on tell us about that oh it was, it was so interesting and thanks for bringing that up now hvc i've got there's when i, I started writing for them about seven years ago there was thirty thousand members then and now there's over two hundred thousand. and uh so i i write for people with questions internationally do so for- much you do that for free. And so thank you yeah. so much. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, you're you. welcome. It's, it's fun because they're, they got stuff in Australia. That we don't see in New Mexico. They got stuff in, in New Mexico. They don't see in Great Britain. And so, you know, I, I make a lot of mistakes there too, <laughs> because they don't see the kind of things that we see here. But, but with uh, now with the interweb and everything, I, I can get into scholarly journal articles that that some people would would not be able to wade through and read, you know what I mean. So I can I can update myself on the current thoughts of given things over a period of time, and, and uh, or review articles that just go through the history of a certain problem internationally. And uh, oh, it's been such a great learning procedure, and I've just thoroughly enjoyed it. But uh, the one the one that we we saw this past week is a is a foal, and he had two problems when he was born. And the first problem he had is called neonatal septicemia. And that is a very severe illness where he's got, basically he's got bacteria in his bloodstream where it does not belong. And uh, we used to think, we used to call it navel ill or joint ill. A lot of times these bacterial infections will settle in their joints and a really, really, really nasty infected joint will uh, limit uh, some of these horses' ability to perform as adults, which, so it's not, it's not never a good thing to see a swollen joint on a baby. And they used to think that it came up from the umbilicus. And so that's why we always dipped him in iodine and gave him a shot of penicillin and some tetanus antitoxin and all this kind of stuff. And now we know that it does not come from that. It actually comes from a very porous GI tract. So when the foal nurses his first first milk called colostrum, it's full of these antibodies, which is his going to be his immune system until his own immune system kicks in when he's about five or six months old. But that gut being that porous is also porous enough to absorb bacteria, and that's where the septicemia comes from. It doesn't come from his belly button. So this poor baby had had uh, had septicemia. He had uh, bad lung sounds, you know, runny nose, high temp. You know, this was ugly, and he had something called contracted tendons. Have you seen that before, Jamie? They walk on their tippy toes almost. Yeah. Yes. Exactly. Exactly. And and the argument has always been, you know, are, are his tendons too short or his bones too long? You know, well, it doesn't matter. We, we certainly can't manage the bone length. So what we've been attacking is is tendons. And so there's a couple of ways to approach this. And uh, a, a very large dose of an antibiotic called oxytetracycline has been used in the past with some success. 
dose of an antibiotic would cause those tendons to relax and the foal could stand with his feet flat on the ground like you should. Whoever decided that was a good idea. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, the first time me. anything's done is, yeah, it's always a let's see what happens kind of thing. But you've, you've definitely seen that this works. The other thing y'all I, always suggest is wrapping them, right? Well, yeah, and we're, and we're, we're going there. The, the problem with the tetracycline is that it can be really damaging the kidneys. And so these septic foals, especially the septic foals, you don't want to just jump up and, and jam three grams of tetracycline in him if he's having kidney problems. Well, this baby did. So tetracycline is off the table, at least for now. So what I've done historically is just put pressure wraps on them and, and leave them in a stall. And what this does is not clear to me. All I can tell you is that it works on most of them. And admittedly, you could probably turn some of these babies loose and they'd be fine. But this baby, he couldn't even hardly stand. I mean, it was all he could do. He was almost walking on the front of his hooves. That's how. And you can go uh, to my Facebook page at Madison Siemens DVM, and you can see the photographs there. And so since we can't give him tetracycline, uh, we're just limited to the pressure wraps. And so we put the pressure wraps on him, left him in the in, his, in a box stall for, I think, eight days. And uh, I put a, took a rasp and lowered his heels to try to add some pressure to his toe to try to lengthen and, and extend those those flexor tendons on the back part of his leg. Those are the ones that are involved. It's not the front, it's the back. And oddly enough, it almost always happens on the front legs, not the back legs. So we just put heavy, heavy, bulky pressure wraps on these babies. And I've never seen one that didn't respond. And it's, it's, it's just so backwards of what you think, you know, why do you want to support this? It sounds, looks to me like he's got plenty of support already, maybe too much. So it's, boy, it's hard to understand. Yeah, it definitely is. Especially when, you know, a horse has a tendon injury and you're like, wrap it. I remember you spoke to me several years ago about one of my horses that had a tendon injury and you told me not to wrap him. Well, it, we, we use wraps for a number of reasons. And if we're going to apply medication like to a cut or something like that, or we're going to keep a cut cover that we've sutured, definitely we need to be thinking about wrapping those things. But I think, I think keeping a tendon wrapped all the time, I don't know if it's the pressure, if it's the extra heat, I don't know exactly what it does. Uh, but I would, I've often questioned and I've, and I've come full circle too. I mean, when I was, when I was, you know, just graduated from veterinary college, you know, we were looking at bow tendons and, and they were pin firing them or freezing them or, or painting them with uh, all types of blistering agents and then keeping them covered and wrapped in stall rest and all this kind of stuff. And there's been a whole bunch of different ways to approach these things on adult horses now. But over the years, I've just kind of questioned having seen what those pressure wraps can do to a foal, I've often wondered, are we really just going to weaken these tendons on these adult horses that have tendon problems? And I'm to a place right now where I don't really believe in wrapping. What I believe in is controlled exercise and giving those things time to heal because they need they need about nine months to heal in order for that all those tendon fibers to be replaced. All right, yeah. guys, I have to cut you off because you'll talk all day about this. Oh, my stuff. God, I could talk to him all day. Yes, <laughs> Dr. Siemens, I'll call you later this afternoon. <laughs> well, listen, right. where, can, where can people find your book? I, we've run out of time, but I, we're going to have you back on and get you more regular now that you things have slowed down a little for you. Um, but if they have, I don't know. I'm just going to assume they have. Uh, you made that up. <laughs> I made that up. Uh, so I would love to have you back on. Where can people find your book and find you to get a hold of you? Fabulous. Uh, go to horse and riders book, horse and rider book.com, www.horseandriderbook.com. It's free shipping if you're in the continental United States. They also have distribution centers in Europe and in Australia and New Zealand. So you'll get local shipping there. So that will save you some time and money. And uh, also, I do online consultations at cornerstoneequine.com. Dr. Madison Siemens, cornerstoneequine.com. One E. In between cornerstone what, and yeah, one e, or you can just Google search me. Yeah, you can just Google. <laughs> yeah, search you just me. put I'm, his I'm, name and it pops up. <laughs> it pops up. <laughs> Incompetent veterinary assistants right here. Thanks. Oh, your book's on Amazon too. So. Thanks, Doctor Stevens. Appreciate it, it, it. It is, but but it's you're better off going to that that horse and rider books dot com. Oh, perfect. Okay, thank you. Love you, mean it, and we'll talk to you again soon. I love it. Thank you so much. Bye. Well, of course, we're sponsored by StatelineTAC.com. If you go to Stateline right now, I was there looking around, and 
You know, carrots. Carrots started when Jennifer and I had our tack company, I think. And it was one pair of breeches. They had one pair of tights. And they really made their name on, on these one or two different types of tights that they had. And then I was on statelinetack.com now. Carrots has a ton of different products now. Yeah. I, I mean, a ton of products. And now boot cut Western tights, all different kinds of uh, tights. And then shirts and coats and boots and all that stuff. They're even into boots now. So you can go to uh, statelinetack.com. And right there on the homepage, you're going to see a Carrots banner. And you can go over and care. I didn't know that they had paddock boots. I, I, oh, I didn't know that either. Yeah, they have paddock boots in here. Carrots, trailblazer, lace-up boots. And then they have the more traditional paddock boots as well. So the, the lace-ups are more like hiking, look like hiking boots. But they have socks and hats and shirts and belts, and just everything now at Carrots. Uh, check them out today. I remember when they were just a baby company, just starting out. <laughs> You're old. <laughs> yeah, I know. I am old. <laughs> but you can find them all there at statelinetech.com. Coming up next, our horse, health, our horse health segment is brought to you by Daily Dose Equine, non-GMO core nutrition for horses and ponies of all ages. We have Caitlin Hendry coming on. She does something called Equine Performance Identity. We're going to talk about that, find out what it is. Caitlin, thanks for joining us today. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited to be here. Uh, when I read your email talking about equine performance identities, first of all, I got a headache because I didn't understand it at all. Um, <laughs> but then it kind of reminded me of the sales tests that we used to have to take a long mm. time ago that determined your personality and whether you were going to be a good salesperson or not. <laughs> it's you know? similar, yeah. Yeah, so, uh-huh. but I got a story there. So one of my first big jobs I got uh, was selling securities for the first bank allowed to sell securities in the country. And they, they it was four interviews. It was, it was, the, and I was like 24 years old. And I had mm-hmm. to take the sales test. It was on paper in those days. And they sent it in and I did the interviews and they got the test back and he called me and said, well, you failed the sales test. They said, you're not going to be a good closer. Uh, but hmm. he said, we're hiring you anyway, because you're the only one that closed us in the interview. And I went, well, there's so much for this test, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but that's, was, I, that's when I first had an experience with doing these kinds of evaluations. Yeah, it's a similar, it's a behavioral self-assessment. I mean, with horses, they can't take it themselves. So I'm relying on their caretaker. There, I have a hackney pony that probably could, to be honest. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, great computer skills. Yeah, he's great at that stuff. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, I mean, the gist of it is really just that it's this uh, personality profiling tool that it's a five to ten minute survey online. You take it and you tell me which behavioral um, characteristics you observe and how often. And then I use that information to create the profile that really just helps you understand your horse's communication style, what motivates them, because there are strengths and challenges to every profile. There's no good or bad profile. So it's really just understanding what makes that horse tick and how you can work with them in a way that brings out the best. Well, you know, it's funny, Jamie. We were talking earlier in the show, learning how to drive the tractor. And uh-huh. you said that Chad showed you several times, but you needed it in writing to be able to get it. I need a list yeah. of things to <laughs> do. Kind of the same mm-hmm. thing, right? We all learn in different ways. Yeah, exactly. And And I think true horse people can intuitively figure that out over time, but there's a lot of trial and error. And for some people, it just doesn't come as naturally. So I'm hoping that this will help to bridge the gap. There'll still be some trial and error, but you can kind of focus on which approaches to try based on what, how you know your horse ticks, basically. Yeah. And Jamie does this all the time. She gets thoroughbreds in and, you know, retrains them and sends them Mm -hmm. out to people. So she does get that intuitively. But when you're brand new to horses, you don't know what you don't know. Um, right. Yeah. Exactly. And you're, you're learning all of that. You're learning about yourself and your horse at the same time. And you're not necessarily real keyed into horse behavior or, or, or the way a horse learns, which are different, right? There's some horses that mm-hmm. pick up some kind of training much quicker than other. Mm-hmm. Yep. And I think that people train differently as well. And so if you know how the horse prefers to be trained, you can adjust that way of training or just come to the conclusion sooner that maybe it's not the best trainer match or rider match. Or if you're trying to find your horse a new home, like you're adopting out a retired racehorse, 
um, you can try to find the best home for them that's really going to set them up for success. Now, you you talk about the four traits uh, of behavior. What are those? Yeah, so there's spectrums of behavior. Um, so the characteristics that you'll see that the horse display change based on where the horse falls on the spectrum. So the four spectrums are dominance, which is the horse's preference to either control or comply, extroversion, which is the horse's preference to interact or isolate, stability, which is the horse's preference for predictability or variety, and structure, which is the horse's preference for clarity or flexibility. And is it the is it how so is it the combination of the answers to that, whether they're one or the other in each of the four categories that really brings the personality together? Exactly. Yeah. So you look at where the horse falls on each spectrum, but then in addition to just looking at the four, you also look at how they relate to each other. So a horse who likes to control and uh, interact is going to be different than a horse that uh, likes to control and isolate, you know, to to put it very simply. How did <laughs> so you, you get, have to really look. How did you ahead. get into all of this? How did you? Yeah, I've always been so fascinated by motivation. And I grew up riding at a big lesson barn um, where they would get the horses from like auction and things like that. And I was that scrappy kid that they would just stick on any horse, you know, <laughs> And I would learn to figure it out. And I just really loved learning about each of the horses because a lot of times you didn't know much about their background. So you had to kind of work with them and figure out what motivated them. And and so I've always been really fascinated by the training aspect and the, the relationship and partnership aspect. And then I got familiar with the personality assessments because um after I worked in the horse industry for a little bit, I burnt out and I ended up going back and getting my management degree. And I focused a lot on the behavioral classes like organizational behavior, diversity and inclusion, the HR related classes, change management. And after I graduated, I got a job at a, a management consulting company and I got familiar with this tool called Predictive Index, which is very similar to what you experienced, um, although it's used a little bit differently as far as um, understanding what makes people tick. And it is aligned with the psychological trait theory of William Moulton Marston, who was the first psychologist back in the early 1900s to look at behavior of normal people. Because up until that point, psychologists really just focused on um, mental disorders. Mm. Uh, so he through his research, developed these four traits, and they've been applied with people, and now I'm applying it to horses. That, yeah, that's really cool. I think it's really mm -hmm. cool. So what, how, how do people do it? What do they do if they, wanna, if they got their, their pony or their horse and they want to they do one of these? Yeah, it's uh, just a survey online. The link is on my website, which is just equineperformanceidentities.com. Um, it's a five to 10 minute survey. You click through it and tell me which behaviors you see and how often. Give me some other information related to like how often you interact with the horse, how long you've had the horse, how old is the horse, what breed is it, et cetera. Um, really just more for like research purposes because I'm curious about correlation. Like, you know, people always say thoroughbreds are hot or mares are pushy or whatever. You know, I want to see what the data actually tells us there. Um, so I have some more kind of research-based questions, but then you just submit the survey. Um, right now, it's $75 to get the report, but because I'm still testing my own assumptions on applying this methodology to horses, if you speak with me for 30 minutes and do a call with me to tell me what you think, I reimburse the fee. So there's really no harm in trying it right now. I usually can get the report out. I'm still doing it manually. It's not automated. So it takes me about a day or two to um, do the analysis and get the report to you. And then we could talk about it. Simple. All right. Very good. And it's equineperformanceidentities.com. Correct. Thank you, Caitlin. Yeah, thanks so much for having me. Hanging out here with the mad scientist who developed daily dose equine horse feed formulas, Janet Geyer. And you might wonder, whenever I get my horse feed delivered to my door in Maryland or Texas or California or Missouri, am I getting the same horse feed? And the answer is? The answer is that it is always the same formula 
always the same horse feed. We don't change ingredients. Uh, we are a fixed formula feed mill. Especially with performance horses, flies can really be a nuisance. Fly predators are a great investment of all the different poisons and insecticides and different things you could use. I don't know of anything that is more economical and more effective than Spalding fly predators. Time to learn why some days you're embarrassed to be part of the human race. In Jamie's Weird News. Yes, it's true. Uh, we like to do a segment of all the news stories that I read throughout the week. And I'm like, well, those are really weird. And now my friends out there have started contributing their weird news stories. So if you're ever reading wherever you get your news and you're like, wow, that's really weird. Email it to me, jamie at horseradionetwork.com with weird news in the subject line. And this week we had contributions from Denise, Ruth, Mary, Glenn, Laureen, Rosemary, Allie, and Ina. Thank you guys all for participating. This first one, I must say, I, I found myself and I don't understand it. I don't understand really a word of it. It's just what was sold for $63,750. And Glenn, I've provided the link for you, and I would like you to open it right now um, and tell I, uh, me. I see it. <laughs> so is this uh, $63,750 item it's, that's sold? It's a handbag. Yeah, it's a purse yeah. for $63,750. Yeah. Mm. And it was in some sort of thing at Paris Fashion Week. And there's all these words that I don't understand of all these organizations that are making things like this. But it is a handbag. It's a purse. Um, and it measures... Uh, my, it's micrometers. It's measured in micrometers. It is a microscopic handbag, Glenn. It is smaller than a grain of salt. It's really small. Matter of fact, it's on a person's finger, really close picture, and you can barely see it. Well, listen, apparently there is plenty of detail that you can look under a microscope and look at. <laughs> Why? Where do you Why? keep this $63,000 item that it just doesn't get knocked on the floor and stepped on or... I'm mean, just the dumbest people on the planet. We're in the wrong it, business. I oh, I couldn't make this. That's not my business. <laughs> I want to be involved in. I don't want to make. It's sixty six hundred and fifty seven micrometers, which make, <laughs> it really is smaller than a grain of salt. Smaller than a grain of salt, oh and God. somebody paid that much for it. So well, that's some weird news. Right good there. for the guy who sold it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Of course, we don't know how much it took him to make it. So. <laughs> Well, this story is a, it's a police chase and, um, I, I don't know where in Hackensack, I don't know where Hackensack is. This seems to be, I think this is a New Jersey town. Okay. So there's a police chase. Uh, this officer sees a Hyundai Sonata that had been stolen and saw it driving around at two in the morning. And so the officer was like, I'm on it. And he starts to drive. Well, as soon as he realized he was being pulled over, he or she took off speeding. Okay. And they had a police chase that went up to a hundred miles an hour in certain places. It's got on the freeway, off the freeway. This is one of those that you like love to watch on the news when the helicopters are chasing it because it goes up and down and onto the freeway and off the freeway and on side roads and off side roads. And it ends up, um, going up river street before turning onto Anderson Avenue and then down a dead end where it kept going and slammed into a parked car. Okay. Well, the passenger jumped out and ran, hopped a fence, takes off running. The police go to chase him. They finally catch him. They tackle him and he's wearing a fanny pack. <laughs> What does he have inside his fa By the way, he's 16, okay? okay. And the driver <laughs> who stayed in the car is 14, okay? So I didn't know idea. fanny packs were back in for teenagers. I guess this 16-year-old had a fanny pack. <laughs> and when he took off running, what do you think he had? What would you think that people who stole a, stole a car and were driving 100 miles an hour would have in their fanny pack? I'd say drugs. You would think that. He had a parakeet. <laughs> Because that's where we put our parakeets. <laughs> they stole a car with a parakeet in their fanny pack. And uh, anyway, they both were arrested and released to their mother. <laughs> so they're siblings. <laughs> Just, Did, you tell know, me you never stole a car when you were that age. 
Oh, uh, yeah, I can tell you that. I never <laughs> sold a car. Yeah, me either. I never did either. <laughs> That's why this segment is called Weird News, Glenn. Yeah. Um, well, here's there's a nice couple from Arizona. Oh, God, I'm watching this video right now. Oh, um, there's a nice couple from Arizona who moved to Louisiana recently. They have their nice house and they have some animals, they have pets, and they have a doggy door. Well, oh, no. middle of the night. This is why I don't have a doggy door. Right? <laughs> middle of the night, the the guy uh, who was in bed asleep heard something like thump, and then their cattle dog, Panda, started growling and thought, oh, wait, there must be a cat in the yard. And then she, he, she growled at her again. There's thump. Oh, my God, somebody's in the house. So he gets his gun, Glenn. He's going to take care of this intruder. And he gets his gun, and he's kind of walking around with like a flashlight pointing in front of his face. He doesn't see anything. And he's looking straight ahead, looking to the right, looking to the left, doesn't see anything. And then he hears a hiss down by his feet. And six inches from his feet in his hallway of his home is an alligator. (laughs) (laughs) Oops. He said, I took a big leap backwards. I bet he did. <laughs> when I did in Arizona when I saw rattlesnakes. I told my wife, there's an alligator in the house. She thought I was joking. I had to take a picture of it and send it to her. <laughs> she was upstairs. Before he believed to prove it to her. Of course, they then called 911. They send out the Louisiana Department of Wildlife and Fisheries. And there is a video of them capturing this alligator who was very uninterested in being caught. So <laughs> apparently it's been really hot. I thought alligators liked it hot, but apparently they were thinking that it came in the doggy door because they could feel like some cool air coming through the doggy door. And uh, I yeah. I imagine he knocked a few things over while he was in there, especially while uh, they were trying to catch him. <laughs> I would like... imagine he gave somebody a heart attack. I mean, he's like, he's looking up, you know, for a human and then down by his foot is a freaking gator. And it's like probably about five feet long. So it's not, gi- I mean, that's ginormous. It's but enough like, to take your leg enough. off. Yeah. <laughs> Any size is enough. Yeah. It'll take your leg off. You know, this segment is called weird news. And that's for a reason, because I'm telling you just things that are weird. Like the guy with a parakeet in his fanny pack. That's just weird. This one is really weird. Um, people in Lake Tahoe, Nevada are being asked to secure their residences. Okay. Lock your doors at night. Uh, there's a resort in state line, Nevada and two women throughout the evening, Sunday night and Monday morning, um, woke up to an intruder in their room. What was the intruder doing? Fondling their feet. That's right. (laughs) In both incidents, women were staying on ground floor rooms and intruders believed to have gained entry through unsecured exterior screen doors. And they woke up to somebody playing with their feet. What? That's so weird. Although I must say some days I would not refuse a foot massage. But probably not from a stranger. Might freak me out a little bit. So um, (laughs) the Douglas County Sheriff's Office says it's actively investigating the incidents. Um, Submit tips if you have leads. In the meantime, quote, residents and guests staying in the Lake Tahoe area are reminded to secure all exterior doors to their house. (laughs) Imagine you wake up, somebody's like licking your toes or something. Oh, there you go. <laughs> that, I, I want to move news. on now. Thank you very much. That was, I saved the best for last. That was okay, it. Okay, right, we're moving that on. Was it. We're oh, that was it? That was it. Oh, I have another one. Do you want, do you want one? Oh, you do. It's a Florida man. Yeah. Do you want to hear this one? Oh, wait, no, I did have one more. I'm sorry. I completely okay. skipped over one. Okay, okay, well, this one, Vermont was in a couple of them that I was sent. And um, if you are hanging out at Burlington Waterfront or you're on Church Street, there's like a place of well, people You're flooded right now around. if you're on the, any of those streets. <laughs> well, apparently it was not flooded when this gentleman was walking around town. And this is on video. So thank you for sending that. Um, it is blanked out because um, a completely naked man was spotted walking around Burlington, Vermont for several hours, several hours walking around naked. Now you think, why wouldn't they call the police? Well, people did. 
They called the police and they reported this rather large man walking around naked. Could they arrest him? No, they couldn't arrest him because under Vermont state law, you are allowed to walk around naked, completely allowed. It's totally legal to just walk around naked. However, here's what you're not allowed to do. You're not allowed to harass anybody, which this guy was not doing. And you're not allowed to undress in public. You're just allowed to be undressed. Oh, so in you public. have to you have to undress in private and then walk around naked. And then you can walk around <laughs> naked. Yeah, if you get caught taking your clothes off, then you're in violation of the law. But being naked is totally fine. Uh yeah, like just I mean, this is like there are children around. I think there's you like would people around. I think there would be a lot more people walking around naked there. Well, they might have let everybody know that it's okay. I mean, you this guy knew the law, right? So they they couldn't arrest him? They couldn't arrest him. He didn't do anything wrong. He was just <laughs> naked. <laughs> so I love that. I just think he's, like, he's like, I know my rights. Why aren't there like dozens of nudist colonies? Or maybe there are up there. I don't know. <laughs> Who knows? I don't know. But he just took in some shopping, didn't bother anybody. Oh, well, he did have a cowboy hat on. So at least he had a hat on. Oh, it was like a sun hat. He didn't get burned. No, well, he wasn't <laughs> naked then. He was covered. It's covered. Yeah. <laughs> His oh, head hilarious. was covered. I mean, hat and shoes. That's all he had on. All I'll right, do what's one your more. Story? All right. This is Florida Man. You might have done this one if I do. If you did, I apologize. Maybe when I was out. Uh, this is Pinellas County, Florida. And uh, basically, Seth Thomas, 39 years old, was walking down the street in Tampa, yelling at traffic while walking into in the roadway. And when he refused to stop for police, he was arrested and charged with disorderly intoxication. Any guess what he was drinking at the time? Um, I, I, all the things. Well, he would know he was drinking a can, and I'm not making this up, of Florida Man beer. The time what? of his arrest. That's a thing. It is a thing. Beer maker Cigar City Brewery, which I've been to in Tampa, it makes a Florida Man beer, and they this is their description of it. It's brewed with nearly criminal amounts of hops and a moderate bitterness that just about matches Florida Man's general disposition. <laughs> the beer celebrates Florida heroes with a rap sheet longer than his mama's mustache. This oh hopped up God. this hopped up whopper of a beer is big in character and guaranteed to sear itself into your memory, just like the world's first superhero, the Florida Man. So there's a oh my God, <laughs> give Cigar City hilarious. a t- <laughs> give them credit for marketing Florida Man beer. Aren't you shocked there isn't more than one Florida Man beer? Uh, no, I, I wouldn't have even thought about that, but it makes so much sense. It does. It does make so much sense. It sounds disgusting, but cool. Whatever. All right, auditors, hang on. We'll chat with you. Oh, I have something. I have to tell Jamie that she's been bugging me about for years that I Am finally did. Am I getting a did. raise? No, finally? not that. That's no, not that. No, I uh, wish we'll think of there. No, but it is something you've been bugging me about for years, and I finally did it. So we'll talk about that in the post show. That's it. We'll be back tomorrow with the National Reigning Horse Association and then some really bad ads on Friday. All right, it's Ben Nutter Geld. 